and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Thank uh-huh. 
grant thy people grace to withstand the temptations of the devil, and with pure hearts and minds to follow thee, the only God. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, 
Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. And he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. When you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. You will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
In Jesus, I find rest and peace. The world is full of sorrow. His wounds are my abiding place. Let the unknown tomorrow bring what it may. There I can stay. My faith finds all I need today. I will not trouble borrow. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the rest that Jesus gives is not natural to what men seek. Men think that the rest that they will get will be after they have labored enough, when they have succeeded in whatever they set their minds on, when they have attained some goal, wealth, pleasure, honor. But that is not the rest that Jesus gives. Jesus gives a rest that comes without you doing anything. It is a rest that he has earned for you, that he has worked for you. And we look at that rest today. God grant that we may be guided by his word to shun any teaching that would take from us our Sabbath rest in Christ. God gave the command <clears throat> to Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now you Lutherans who know your catechism, see whether you still remember. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Now the Sabbath day had two main purposes. The first was a practical purpose. Six days you will work, and the seventh day you set aside your work. God made the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he stopped working and rested. And so he wanted to model 
his, the people's lives with creation. Now, this is very practical. Any of you who have worked two weeks in a row without a day off know how tired you get. It's wearisome. And God made a law that it didn't matter who you were, whether you were the parents or the children or the servants or the foreigner or an animal, you did no work on Saturday, the seventh day. And in fact, God was so insistent upon this that anybody who broke the Sabbath was to be put to death. Pretty serious. And on Sabbath days, the word of God was taught by the priests and the Levites. And there were certain Sabbaths that had, had festival meanings to them. And that is the second main purpose of the Sabbath, which is to teach God's word to the people. So that people might know that they find their rest not in their work, but in the word of God. Now God enforced this. He first gave this law to Moses. And he enforced this law. And after the, after the Babylonian exile, <clears throat> and during the Babylonian exile, when they didn't have the temple, the Jews came up with lots of different traditions and regulations to help them remember the temple. And they all, it went a bit too far, and they started making all sorts of rules to make sure that the Sabbath would never be broken. <clears throat> so, it's called bu building a fence around the law. It's a sin to get drunk. Drunkards don't inherit the kingdom of God because they don't have faith. They are obeying the desire to get rid of their pain or drown away their sorrow without any repentance and faith in God. And so, the way never to get drunk is to make a rule that says you should never drink. Now, can you make this rule for yourself? Absolutely, you're free to do that. And certainly, that is a fence around the law. Nobody's going to get drunk if they never drink. But does God say never to drink? No. So you can't go and tell someone God says this. The Pharisees did all kinds of things like this, and so they said, you can't do these things on the Sabbath lest you are working. And so they argued about what was work. And they had all sorts of regulations. One time, Jesus' disciples are going through a grain field on the Sabbath, and they're plucking grain, and they're eating the, the, the grain. And the Pharisees say, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath day? And Jesus says, don't you remember how David, when he was running away from Saul, went to the house of, of the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, the showbread, which it was not lawful for him to eat. Because man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus was always arguing about the Sabbath with people. One time, he healed a man with a withered hand. Another time, he healed a woman who was bent over and couldn't stand upright. And one of the leaders of the synagogue said, six days you can come to be healed, but on the Sabbath don't come to be healed. Now where did this attitude come from? That the Sabbath, which was made for man so that he might have rest, is all of a sudden an excuse to prevent Jesus from healing something. This is the attitude that inheres in us. That we know good and evil, and we're able to make ourselves righteous simply by obeying the rules. People are sticklers to the rules. When I was a kid in school, there were always a few kids who really knew the rules. And when they saw someone break, and they'd say, Teacher, he broke the rule. And half the time, 
the teacher would be like, yeah, okay, don't do that. The teacher got kind of annoyed. Now, I'll give you an example that my dad has used. We used to go, when, as soon as we started to earn a little bit of money, we obviously spent our money on worthless things like pop, okay? So we'd walk down to Main Stop or wherever, and we'd buy bottles of Coke. Well, then we'd leave our bottles all over the place. And so my dad made a rule. No bringing any pop bottles into the house. We were like, man, that stinks. Okay. He made the rule, and we obeyed it for a while, and then gradually just we'd bring pop home and then throw it away, and my dad forgot the rule. Because the rule was there for that purpose. And it was for the purpose of teaching us not to be slobs. And once that purpose was realized, there was no need for the rule. Pharisees didn't see the purpose and the meaning of the Sabbath. The meaning of the Sabbath is that you might have rest. Why are you here today? You're not here simply to fulfill some obligation. You're not here simply to obey the rules or make your parents happy. You are here to listen to the word of God and find rest in the wounds of Christ. And we have a perfect example of what the Sabbath is with Jesus healing the man with dropsy. Now, dropsy is a strange disease. It was known as a rich man's disease because it came from eating too many luxurious foods. And the symptom is that you were always thirsty. But the more you drank, the more your body would swell up and the thirstier you got. So you're always thirsty, but if you drink, it just makes you more thirsty. Horrible disease. What a sad plight to be in. And Jesus sees this man on the Sabbath, and he gives him rest. He heals him. This is a picture of, as all of Jesus' miracles and healing are, this is a picture of the sinner who comes to Jesus on the Sabbath day. Sin is just like dropsy. The more you sin, the more you want to sin, and yet sinning never fulfills your desire. He who has much silver will never be satisfied with silver. The one who obeys his lust to fornicate or do other unclean things only wants more and is never satisfied. The one who wants glory keeps seeking after glory. It's never enough. I mentioned um, last week about Alexander the Great and about how he had conquered so much of the world and he cried when his soldiers wouldn't go and help him conquer China. He was never satisfied. That is what sin does. Because sin is a false promise. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. But you will never be like God with your works. You will never be like God, trying to get more and more of this world's stuff, or by obeying the law. And so, in order to recognize what the Sabbath is, we need to realize that we are here to be healed. We are here to be forgiven. We are here to have the real burden of our lives removed from us. And the real burden of your life is not that you pass the test. It's not that you get into that school. It's not that you get that job. It's not that you have to pay the bills. It's not even the beautiful things and the things that are very worthwhile in, in, in settling difficulties with your spouse or children or, or finding good friends and maintaining them. That is not where you find your rest. It isn't in your works. For six days God worked, and he said that it was very good, it was all done. And then he rested. 
the real work that needs to be done. What the law actually commands is love towards God and love towards your neighbor. Through love, actually caring about somebody, bearing another's burden. And this does not happen when you obey all the rules. And it also doesn't happen when you go for the place of honor at the feast. There is some connection between the Sabbath and humility. Now, there are a lot of people, there are two extremes in the Sabbath spectrum. Luther talks about theology being like a drunken peasant on a donkey, and he's always going to fall one way or the other. On the one hand, you have people who teach that the Sabbath that used to be Saturday is now Sunday. The Roman Catholics teach that they have the authority to change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. They don't. And the Calvinists, that would be the Reformed, the Presbyterians, etc., at least they used to teach this. They barely teach it now, but I've been listening to this guy on the radio every Sunday, and he, he's been teaching it. And they teach that God moved the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. But that's not true. We have the example of the apostles worshiping Jesus on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. But we never have a command from God that the Sabbath has been moved from Saturday to Sunday. In fact, in Colossians 2, Paul says, Let no man judge you with regard to food or drink, eat all the bacon you want, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, that no one judge you. For these are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is Christ's. In other words, Christ fulfills it. The light is shining on Christ, and the shadow is in the Old Testament that teaches you that all the feasts and all these celebrations and these Sabbaths are just a shadow pointing you to Christ. As Paul says elsewhere, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. It teaches you that you need him. What did Jesus do? He went about doing good. He said the son of man must work while it is day before the night comes and no one can work. And work he did. Where did he go? He went to the lowly and the poor. He taught them. He fed them. He healed them. And when everybody had abandoned him and no one was going to do any more work, he did the work. He worked on the sixth day. The day begins in the evening at sunset for the Jew. And he went into the garden and he labored in prayer. And he sweat blood. He was beaten and spit on and scourged. And God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He put him under that law that requires you to love God and your neighbor. He put him under the law that tells you to be pure in your heart, to be generous, to put the best construction on on, on everything, to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Jesus worked under the law that says that you should not have life because you have not listened to God. The one who disobeyed the Sabbath was put to death. I do not recommend that law. I mean, I think most of us would be dead, you know, for skipping church. Why? Why did he make that law? It's a shadow. It tells you what happens when you despise God's word. God gives you life through his word. And when you ignore it, you are ignoring the source of all life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're not hearing God's word, how is your faith going to continue? Hear and your soul shall live. And that sin of ignoring God 
of choosing our own way was laid upon Jesus and he worked, he labored. It was hard work. He felt the punishment, he felt the consequences. Perhaps some of you have friends or children or grandchildren and others who used to believe the word of God and they don't anymore. They don't go to church and they listen to the world and ignore the fountain of life so near to them. They're confident in their riches or their job, or maybe they are despairing. They've worshipped other gods. And you've seen this in your own life too. Those days where you don't pray, those days where you don't listen to God. You're looking for rest somewhere else. Now, it's not wrong to take a vacation and do other things. We had a wonderful retreat at the Kohler Cabin um, this past weekend. And the manly men went swimming in Rob Roy, just saying. That was very relaxing. I got some rest. I'm just kidding, by the way. You look, you're, you're, nobody doubts that. You're awesome. Um, it's fine to do that. I, I rest when I come home. I, I come home and I relax. And I, I talk to my wife. I love to see her. I see my children. Ask them how their day was. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The question is, where are you looking for your rest? Jesus worked hard. When no one else did, when we were without strength, unable to do anything, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And he died on the sixth day and was buried. And they sealed the tomb and on the Sabbath day Jesus rested from all the work which he had done. It is. There is nothing left. You may think you need to make up for your sins. You're afraid of the consequences that you're going to deal with in the future. You may think that you, you, ha- you still have to do something to make sure that everything's okay. No, 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 stop working. You are here to listen to the voice of him who says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, that work, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is the true burden of your life? It isn't that you don't have enough money. It isn't that you don't have good enough friends or a spouse or whatever it is. The burden of your life is the sin inside your heart that you see come out and not love the one you're supposed to love and look for happiness in what is not happiness. Now why? Why do we do this? Well, because we are exalting ourselves. You have the people who say that the Sabbath is a law that we have to obey in that we can't work on that day. And then we have on the other side, which has happened today, in the old days in America, you couldn't even, anybody grow up in the state with blue laws, you couldn't buy anything on Sunday, right? I did, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it almost all disappeared. But there were laws in the United States, right? Now it's gone the other way. Parents who take their kids to sports events on a Sunday morning are teaching their children that the sport event is more important than the Word of God. Well, I don't need to go to church on a Sunday morning to be a Christian. Sure, yeah, you can have faith by the Word of God, but this is what, where we are on a Sunday morning. The church has agreed for 2,000 years almost that the day that Jesus rose from the dead to show that the work was done is the day that we would gather to see our burden removed from our souls. And why would someone think that he does not need that? Because he is exalting himself. He's lifting himself up. He doesn't need the rest. He doesn't need the forgiveness of sins. He doesn't need the word of God. He's just fine without it. 
But by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. You go camping, you go do some beautiful, you see God's creation, that's wonderful. God's word made that. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And so you have these two extremes. On the one hand, they try to make a law where there isn't a law. We can worship God on any day we want to. On the other hand, you have people just removing themselves from the place where there is rest. But you today have come to the house of God where the word of God is preached and his sacraments are administered so that you might learn the rest and the peace that you need in order to live your life here on earth. It doesn't come when you have succeeded. It comes when you see that you don't deserve to sit in the best place. You haven't earned a place at the table with God. And yet he invites you. And you come here and you humble yourself. And you confess your sins to God. And you don't place yourself above another person here and say, at least I'm not like that person. No, you come here to the church of the living God as to a hospital. And you kneel down and you don't say, God, I did all right this week. I thank you that I am not like other men. No, you humble yourself and you say, I can't give myself rest. I can't work hard enough to give my soul what it needs. Only you, Jesus, you Lord of the Sabbath, only you who worked and suffered for me and bore the burden of my sin, only you can give me rest. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The humble he will guide. And so we see what we are to do on the Sabbath and every day of our lives. If we have exalted ourselves by claiming pleasures that don't belong to us, by, by thinking that we're just good enough Christians and we're doing right on our own, if we have ignored God's word, his holy word, and listened to the world, which goes off in her haughty, unrepentant way, then we have come to the right place today to humble ourselves before God. And so let him exalt us. There is no sinner who comes to him. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will in no way cast out. But the one who comes to Jesus is the one who comes in humility. He comes to Jesus because Jesus is the savior of sin, of sinners. So if you are laboring and you think you can't overcome the sin in your life, it's come back to haunt you. You see how weak you are. If you are filled with regret about something you have done that you can't make up for, you have to deal with the consequences of it. And you see, I just don't have the strength. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And you need to look to Christ alone. And look away from all of your work and all of your plans, all of your regret, and see that the work that needs to be done is finished in the body of that man who is your God. And he commands you today to rest in his wounds, believe in him, trust in him, because he has truly removed your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. There is a hymn that I was taught as a boy, and it says, To me the preaching of the cross is wisdom everlasting. Thy death alone redeems my loss. On thee my burden casting, I in thy name a refuge claim. 
from sin and death and from all shame. Blessed be thy name, O Jesus. And that is the rest that you have. And that is also the rest that you live in. Uh, we just learned in Ephesians chapter 4 how we ought to walk. What is the attitude that we are to have, the calling? God, who has all things and is above all things, took on human flesh and was made to be sin for us. He humbled himself. That is what God did. And he calls you to that same life, to follow him. He calls you to walk with all lowliness and meekness, gentleness. This means that you do not regard yourself as better than another person. Even when you see his faults right there in front of your face. Even when you see that he is a bad person. But that you consider yourself, lest you be tempted. And that you be meek. That you don't say, you don't go roughly and, and yell at people. But you gently teach what is good and right to someone. doesn't mean you tolerate sin and say, oh, we're all sinners, so just destroy yourself with sin. No. But you gently, as Jesus does to you, show them the way of their error and bring them to Christ. And this is why it says, bearing with one another, with long-suffering and bearing with one another in love. This is patience. You wait a long time and deal with sins that are in your friends or your husband's or your wife's or your child's life. You bear with them. Think about this. How long God has borne with you in sins that have, have bothered you and that you've stumbled into? Has he ever rejected you when, he, when you came to him for forgiveness? Long-suffering. Bearing with one another in love. And do you know what you do when you do that for your brother, for your sister, for your enemy? You give that person rest. That is what we have in Christ in the forgiveness of sins. And I'm glad that you are here on the Sabbath to receive the forgiveness of sins. Tomorrow is the Sabbath too. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And let us rest every day in the wounds of Christ, knowing that he has done the work. He has fulfilled the law. And all that's rest left for us is to follow him through all pain and suffering to that eternal rest which we will have when we see him face to face. God grant it to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
God in Christ Jesus and to all people according to their deeds. Almighty and most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give thee thanks for all thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of thy dear Son and for the revelation of thy will and grace. And we beseech thee to implant thy word in us, that in good and honest hearts we may keep it, and bring forth fruit by patient continuance in well-doing. Lord, in thy mercy. Hear Most heartily we beseech thee so to rule and govern thy church universal with all its pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of thy saving word, whereby faith toward thee may be strengthened, charity increased in us toward all mankind, and thy kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into thy harvest, and sustain those whom thou hast sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Lord, in thy mercy, grant also health and prosperity to all that are in authority, especially to the President and Congress of the United States, the Governor and Legislature of the State of Wyoming, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in thy mercy, may it please thee also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may see their enmity and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. Lord, in thy mercy, all who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for thy names and for thy truth's sake, comfort, O God, with thy Holy Spirit that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of thy fatherly will. Lord, in thy mercy. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions, but out of thine unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of thy mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show thyself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Lord, in thy mercy. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young in our families and at St. Andrew's Lutheran School. Give success to all lawful occupations on land and sea. Bless the students who are studying here, that they may develop their talents not for their own sake, but for the sake of thee who called them to live according to your will. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls, and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before thee, for thou hast purchased us to be thine own, that we may live unto thee. Bless those women with child in our congregation, grant them health, keep the babies safe, so that they may be brought to be born again by water and the Spirit. Lord, in thy mercy. Hear our prayer. These and whatsoever other things thou wouldst have us ask of thee, O God, 
Grant unto us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, thine only Son, our Lord and Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. Remembrance of me. 
strengthen you, keep you steadfast, to life everlasting, to part in peace. Amen.
action for all sins. Strengthen you. Keep you steadfast in your faith. Unto life everlasting. Heart of peace.
and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.